This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Tuesday afternoon. It's July 19th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Good to be back on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Took the last week off, took the family on a road trip, got to experience some of those uh, lower gas prices east of Chicago through the coast of Maine. Talked about gas prices earlier this morning. Uh, There is some relief at the pump. It's not just your imagination. If you were a Toys R Us kid, you want to stick around for our next segment. That's because the legendary toy brand is continuing its comeback. Right? Right now, there's new data today that reflects the state of the economy. Let's dig into the report on housing starts with Lance Roberts, chief investment strategist, RIA Advisors in Houston, the website realinvestmentadvice.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Lance Roberts. Lance, thanks for joining us today. Housing starts dropping to its lowest level in nine months in the month of June. That would suggest the uh, interest rate hikes are having their intended effect, or are they? Well, yeah, absolutely, Rob. And, and, you know, it's not just a function of the Federal Reserve hiking interest rates. It's also the interest rates on the longer end of the curve, the 10-year and the 30-year Treasury bonds, which link back to mortgage rates. Those rates have been going up all year this year, you know, in anticipation of both the Fed hiking rates and concerns over higher inflation. Of course, higher interest rates mean higher payments. And for a lot of people, affordability is now an issue. So not surprising we're seeing demand for houses fall. And uh, just to put this in perspective, we talk about how this is a uh, falling to a a number we have not seen since September of 2021, but that's now an annualized rate of 1.58 million units. So even though the uh, construction market is cooling off, an awful lot of housing is uh, in the process of coming online. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one thing that it was always very interesting. Um, you know, last year we were talking about a housing inventory shortage, right? There just wasn't enough houses to go around. And, and the reality is, is there's never a shortage of housing because it's just a function of supply and demand. So now we've got these houses that are coming online and demand is falling. So the good news is, is that it's going to be lower prices for people that want to buy a house over the next year or so. They're probably going to be able to buy a house a little bit cheaper. And one of the major drivers of inflation, especially last month, was the uh, higher cost of rent and the rising rents uh, leading to a rather uh, brisk business when it comes to apartment building. Right. Absolutely. And this is one thing that we'll want to keep a watch on. About 42 percent of CPI, uh, that consumer price index that we measure for inflation, is made up of what we call homeowners equivalent rent. And that's a bit of house prices. That's a bit of rentals. And that runs about a three-month lag. So one thing we're going to see here is that 
as we start to get slower economic data, slower demand for housing, that homeowner's equivalent rent should come down. That should lead to lower inflation later this year. And when this is all said and done, when the homes are built and the apartments are built, uh, what is the housing market going to look like? I mean, once we're coming out of a very strange economic period, but once that normalizes, what will rents look like? What will mortgages look like uh, with so much more inventory available? Well, they should, you know, again, you know, as I was saying earlier, this should this should translate, you know, into lower home prices. And of course, as mortgage rates eventually come back down, as inflation cools off, interest rates will come back down. The Fed should start to reverse their policy of tightening later on this year, maybe next year. So, you know, that's going to, you know, for individuals that, you know, have saved up a bit of a down payment and, and have their kind of their financials in order over the next year or so, we should see, you know, housing prices come down 10 percent or so. And, you know, people that have been wanting to buy a house, it'll be a much better opportunity to buy something where they're not competing and having to overpay for houses. Lance Roberts, chief investment strategist, RIA Advisors in Houston. The website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Find him on Twitter, at Lance Roberts. Coming up, the triumphant return of Toys R Us. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The familiar Toys R Us logo will again be popping up at stores in the coming months. Let's get an update on the company's comeback from Jan Rogers Niffen, the CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, it was not too long ago, just a couple of years ago, we were talking about how uh, Toys R Us had entered the realm of defunct brands, but now it's coming back, but it's in a, a slightly different form. Tell us about that. I'd say it's in more than a slightly different form. It's a lot different. But I think it's a great idea that they're coming back and they're going to be in every Macy's store. Remember, Toys R Us used to be this huge, big box that set off by itself and was filled with kids walking through aisles and parents walking through aisles. Now it's going to be 1,000 square feet in most Macy's stores and 10,000 square feet in the really big stores that Macy's has, about, I don't know, a dozen of those of the flagships. And that'll be great for Macy's. It'll also be great for the brand, but it's a lot different. It's a much smaller entity than it was when it had stores all over America that were 150,000 square feet. Now, 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 Jan, I'm, I'm dating myself here. Is that you know, when I was eight years old, nine years old, I used to have dreams about being locked inside of a Toys R Us overnight, so you could play with all of the toys. And I'm sure that uh, that name for people my age uh, certainly has a a great deal of uh, of of a halo effect. It brings back uh, pleasant memories of holiday seasons from years gone by. Is that the future of some of these retail names? Names that might have gone uh, gone into the past uh, just because of business conditions, but now they're being rescued by uh, much larger retailers and put into much larger stores uh, to take advantage of that halo effect? Absolutely. Authentic Brands has bought a whole bunch of brands for that very reason. Think about it. You were in love with Jeffrey Giraffe, and you were in love with Toys R Us, and now if you're a person who grew up with Toys R Us, you've probably got kids now, and they're going out and wanting to get toys, and you've got this immediate reaction to the brand that says, good feelings about that. So Macy's gets to capitalize on that, and so does the Toys R Us business get to capitalize on it. But there are lots of brands that over time 
have sort of gone into the dustbin of history and then been reconstituted in a different format because they still have equity value in the customer's mind. And Toys R Us was one of those that anybody who ever grew up at the right time or took their kids there at the right time remembers it with fond memories. And so it's it's easy to capitalize on that and bring it back in in a small format in Macy's. They were selling it online at Macy's and have been for a year now, and it's working well for them. And that kind of thing makes the Macy's store more interesting and puts something in it that they wouldn't normally have. They don't do a lot in toys, and yet it gives them a, whole, a new entree for a customer, and you will come there and probably bring a child with you if you're the grandma, granddad, parents, and you'll shop, not just the Toys R Us part of the store. So I think it's a great win for both sides. And then very quickly, Jan, does this mean we're going to hear the I don't want to grow up, I want to be a Toys R Us kid jingle sometime in November? God, I hope so. (laughs) Jan Rogers-Niffin, the CEO of J. Rogers-Niffin Worldwide, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, GM introducing a new mass-market electric SUV. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. General Motors is revealing a new electric mid-sized SUV, the Chevy Blazer EV. Let's get the details from John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv, based in Detroit. John, thanks for joining us today. The Detroit 3 uh, really deploying a lot of weapons in the EV race these days. A lot of talk about Ford and their uh, F-150 electric vehicle and the Mustang electric vehicle. But now uh, Chevy and General Motors getting involved in the race. Uh, what's, what are the, what's the latest on the Blazer electric model? No, you've got that exactly right. Uh, the Blazer is one that they just announced yesterday that they're coming to the market with next year. It'll be kind of like the Chevy Blazer that we've got right now, except that it's going to be all new design. It's going to be all electric. They're going to have five different trim lines of it from sort of a base model all the way up to a crazy high-performance SS that's going to have over 500 horsepower. And, uh, you know, they'll be priced uh, at the low end probably around $44,000 up to the, the fully loaded one close to sixty grand. And uh, they really hope to go after the Tesla Model Y with this. It's it's the first serious SUV competitor that is coming from General Motors in this case, or Chevrolet specifically. How many uh, EV models uh, are, are coming out of General Motors uh, outside of Chevrolet? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, outside of Chevy, I don't have that number. But what GM is saying is that... Uh, in the next few years or so, by around 2025, they're going to have something like 25 different EV models available. So a lot is coming, and, and that's just from General Motors. Chevrolet is uh, was, was first out of the gate, or one of the first out of the gate with electric vehicles almost a decade ago uh, with the Bolt. And is it a surprise that the newest models that have been announced are uh, are what you would call uh, meat and potatoes, red meat kind of cars, the Blazer, the Camaro, trucks and sports cars, so you don't feel like you're eating your vegetables while driving? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Sure. You know, uh, the EV segment is changing. Uh, it's been dominated by Tesla up to right now. A number of other traditional automakers came out with what the industry refers to as compliance cars. They just did it to meet the letter of the law. They didn't really have their hearts behind it. 
But now that the EV segment is really starting to take off, it's by far the fastest growing segment in the automotive industry right now. You're seeing more and more models coming out. And now they're starting to go after more of the middle of the market, not just the people at the very top end. And then uh, how is this, you know, this is a very crowded space. I mean, everyone's going after Tesla because there's there's the first mover, but you have the Ford offerings, you have Rivian. What's this market going to look like in a couple of years? Wow, great question. And and I say great question because we really don't know the answer to that right now. Uh, like I said, the the EV segment is growing at something like 60% a year. The rest of the market's not even growing. It's going down. So we're, we're starting to see EVs really come on strong, and it, it's only just barely getting going. Now the question is, how many people will actually buy an EV? My guess, and that's all it is, is that by the end of this decade, 2030, maybe one out of three vehicles sold will be an electric. So even though the EV segment is growing so fast and there's so much attention on it, the piston engine is going to be around for a couple of decades yet. John McElroy, automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv in Detroit. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, dealing with the hassle of lost luggage. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Governor Pritzker has tested positive for coronavirus. The House Committee investigating the Capitol assault prepares for its next public hearing, though a key member won't be there in person. In Travel Tuesday, navigating the major inconvenience of lost luggage. A debit card can be a valuable financial tool for college students on multiple levels. WBBM Business, the markets are high. The Dow is up 566 points, the NASDAQ is up 284, and the S&P 500 is up 83. AccuWeather says sunny to partly cloudy, breezy, hot and rather humid, a high today of 92. We have 84 degrees right now at 1231, topping our news at the half hour. Governor Pritzker has tested positive for COVID-19 and is experiencing mild symptoms of the disease. It was discovered during what's described as his routine testing regimen. The governor is fully vaccinated and double boosted. He was prescribed the antiviral drug Paxlovid. His office says the governor will be working from home while following CDC guidelines. The House January 6th committee will hold a prime time hearing this week, but likely without its chairman. Last week, Benny Thompson said this hearing will focus on Donald Trump's hours-long failure to call off supporters who were storming the Capitol. We'll tell the story of that supreme dereliction by the commander-in-chief. Thompson may not be there to tell the story. The Mississippi congressman says he tested positive for COVID-19 yesterday and will isolate for several days. The panel spokesman says Thursday's primetime hearing will proceed, but is not saying if Thompson will participate virtually. Sagar Magani, Washington. 
Washington. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues, uh, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are in plus territory today. We're joined by Michael Palumbo, the founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us today. I know there are numerous scientific and mathematical-based formula algorithms for determining uh, which way the stock market will go, determining the uh, actual price of stocks. But it seems like these days, these wild swings of the markets are more or less a vibe check on the part of businesses and investors and analysts. One day there are signs that a recession is here, there's a major sell-off, and then there are days like today where they look at the numbers and feel pretty good about what they see. Well, good afternoon, Rob, and thanks for having me on. You actually hit right on the point I was going to make today, and that is that some days you have a rally or a sell-off, and there doesn't have to be a reason. I know everybody wants to have a reason told to them because there there has to be, right? But you know what? Sometimes markets just get oversold, and there's just a lack of bad news, and we rally. So today I, I would say if if there was any one macro uh, number I would look at that's, that w- is helping this rally. It's, it's the fact the dollars come off its highs and it's finally starting to c- come back down a little bit. That was getting scary when it, when it got to parity with the euro last week, um, back to like almost 103 to the euro. So, you know, th- th- things like that, uh, are, you know, allow for relief rallies like this. We've been so oversold and so bearish for so long that a 2% move in the market like this is really nothing. And it just kind of shows that there's just been so much bad news that on a day when there really isn't any, um, it's a time that the markets can rally a bit. And then uh, earnings season is underway, and there have there's hasn't been much in the way of surprises. In that, uh, everyone who's reported uh, they kind of priced a high inflation into their projections, and as a result, uh, two thirds of the companies that have reported so far uh, have met or beat the expectations. Yeah, I mean the, the earnings have been fine, and it pretty much the, the across the board they're beating slightly and then guiding lower for the rest of the year. And that's pretty much, I think, what the market expected them to do, right? So, again, we're not getting anything that is surprising. And when there's so much bearishness and so much recessionary talk, and you don't get these scary reports from these companies, again, today, IBM, Johnny John, uh, Lockheed, not, nothing crazy bad. Um, and that actually is good enough for, for what we're seeing today. And, and it's just a relief rally. I think we, we get back to 4,000 in the S&P, and then we have to wait for the Fed uh, next week, and then which they'll probably raise 75 basis points, but then I do think they'll come out and say they're going to pause, and uh, that would be good for markets. And, and then we'll see from there. I think 4,000 is is going to be a, a tough a tough one to get above. But again, if earnings keep coming in with no big surprises, um, and there's no other uh, global events that that are are negative. You know, we could see this rally continue in the second half. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if it does. But I do think that we are still oversold. And the 
path of least resistance, at least in the short term here, I think is up. And that would only be stopped if, if recessionary numbers start coming out much worse than what we've, we're seeing right now. It's very interesting that the economic conditions today are almost uh, a polar opposite of what we were experiencing 10 years ago, where there wasn't much in the way of inflation, but that we did have a weak dollar. The, the unemployment was uh, uh, very sticky, and it was very frustrating to get that number to come down. And now you have uh, uh, almost uh, you know the, the, the best employment market ever, or at least in 50 years. Inflation is persistent, and the dollar is as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, the Fed was begging for inflation, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and now we got too much. It's it just that's the cycle of, of the business cycle and, 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 and how things can change uh, over the span of a decade. And, you know, I do think that, um, you know, we're seeing the highs in inflation and it's going gonna, it's gonna to start coming down. I think the market understands that. And uh, that's why, you know, a Fed raise here and then a pause would make the most sense. And then we'll see from there. Again, you know, I, I, I'm bullish here, not, not, not massively, but, but, but definitely I think the better bet is, is up from here. Um, and, again, that, that, could be, that could be stopped by, you know, further weakening in the economy that I don't expect we'll see. But, you know, we'll have to see with this, sec- with this uh, the second big rate hike what that does to, to further slow things down in the third quarter. But, again, right now my feeling is that, that the, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a slight buy here in, in, in the stock market. And, and uh, um, you know, you have to pick your stocks wisely. But, it's, it, you know, the, the worst of, of the downturn, I believe, is behind us. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Up next in Travel Tuesday, your luggage has disappeared. What do you do? Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. One of the most disruptive things that can happen when you're on a trip is your luggage getting lost. Let's get some help from Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting based in Chicago. Ken, thanks for joining us today. And it's a feeling everybody has experienced at one time or another. You're at the airport, you're at the baggage carousel, and uh, you're the last one standing waiting watching someone else's suitcase turn around and around and around, and then you go to the baggage office because your luggage has been lost. Uh, we, we, there have been all sorts of disruptions to the airline traveling experience these days. Uh, what has, you know, how, how has uh, lost luggage become an increasing problem for travelers? Well, there's so many people flying, and the chances for errors along the way just expand exponentially. I mean, for example, in Europe, uh, there's London and Amsterdam. They've asked the airlines to cut back flights. They just cut too many people. They don't have baggage handlers. Icelandic era airlines flying out of Reykjavik to Amsterdam actually put baggage handlers on their planes to handle their passengers' baggage when they got to Amsterdam. So that's one thing. The other thing is Delta Airlines actually made some history. They actually had a plane that... They filled up with missed baggage, lost baggage in London and flew it to Detroit to get people there. But let's start to be positive. First off, if you're flying, fly direct. Don't do, Try not to do connections. Also, if you're flying, try to avoid airports that have problems. Like if you're going overseas and you're going to somewhere other than London and Amsterdam, avoid both those airports. 
So that's the first thing. The other thing you can do is both Apple has what they call Apple tags, air tags, and a company named Tile has tile trackers. And you can put those on your bags if you have to check them so you can find out where they are. The Apple ones are pretty good. Both are tied in with Bluetooth. And if it's somewhere within Bluetooth range, that'll tell you. So, for example, you probably will know ahead of time than the airline people because it's going to take so long to get to the airline baggage office and say, hey, where's my bag? You can say, by the way, my bag is there. It missed the flight. Now, let's go back again. The most important thing to remember, as I said, don't fl fly direct, don't do connections. But more importantly, go with the cardinal rule. Never check anything you can't live without. So if you can get as much into a carry-on bag and take it on a plane with you, do that. Then you avoid the problem completely because the bag is always with you. The worst thing people have is they put medicine in their check bag, and guess what? The check bag is in Cairo, and they're in London and they're out of pocket, so you don't want to do that. The other thing you can do is find out, again, be smart about this. Uh, the airlines, <coughs> excuse me, the, you can use your credit cards that will cover you for delayed baggage, but you've got to make sure you pay for your airfare with that credit card. Check and see what credit card, whether it be Chase <coughs> or American Express or any of those, what their situation. Usually they'll cover you for up to three days, and it's so much money per day, so this covers you if you come to a place and you don't have any, any change of clothing or anything like that. So, got to be, again, pack smart, as I said. Travel insurance is an option, but again, you got to make sure and know what you're going to be reimbursed for. Because, again, insurance, like anything else, they say everything, but you got to read the fine print. And the better thing to remember, airline flying today is, can be a hassle. So best thing, if you approach the airline personnel, be patient and be friendly because they're human beings just like us. And if you antagonize them, they're not going to want to help you. Okay? So those are some of the important things to remember when traveling. That's great advice. Ken Goldstein, president of KJG International Consulting based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday and still to come, the best debit cards for college students. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Some debit cards are designed to build credit and allow users to earn rewards. Let's discuss the advantages with Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us today. It wasn't too long ago, uh, several decades ago actually, when I was in college, when uh, credit card offers were kind of a, a big gotcha for a lot of college students, and it was a way to get in trouble because they would have the, the stands with the person giving away the free T-shirt. You would sign up, get the credit card and then spend a lot of money you didn't have. Uh, is this, uh, the, the, these debit cards, is this a response to that uh, particular uh, financial plague that took place? Yeah, if anything, the pendulum has swung too far in the opposite direction, and it's actually very difficult to get a credit card now in your late teens or early 20s. What I would say is that when you're in that age bracket, when you're a college student, Rewards are nice, but they shouldn't be the primary consideration. I actually think things like responsibly building your credit, avoiding fees, these are the kinds of things that are more important. And a lot of young adults these days are gravitating to debit rather than credit. And I think that could be age appropriate.
Now, is this a function of uh, you have a, an incoming crop of college students? Uh, uh, someone who was, you know, 18 today was born in 2004, and they may have uh, memories of their own parents' uh, financial difficulties during the Great Recession. And is this a case of uh, that anxiety staying with them uh, when, when you get into this era of making financial decisions for yourself? I think so. I think it's that. I think it's also the more difficult access to credit. And it just seems like attitudes have changed around debt, too. We could throw the student debt crisis in there. And a lot of young adults these days are saying, I already have a lot of debt, or I saw what mom and dad have been through with past recessions. So a lot of times people are starting with either a secured credit card or a student credit card or using debit, which is very popular among young adults. My favorite debit card for college students is from Discover. And that's because it's linked with a free checking account, which comes with access to more than 60,000 ATMs at no cost. The debit card actually gives 1% cash back up to $3,000 in purchases per month. Debit card rewards are rare. But like I said, I think the most important thing is building those financial habits. So getting a free checking account, getting free ATM access, I think these are important as well, and you can do both with this account. The one that really jumped out for me is the uh, Target Red Card debit card, and that seems one that's geared precisely towards the college student, whether they are uh, you know, stocking up, getting supplies for the dorm room ahead of the academic year, or uh, going out on a Target run near campus when they're at school. It's great for Target shoppers because you get 5% cash back on those purchases. I wouldn't suggest it, though, as a broad option, just because it can only be used at Target. So you're going to have to also have a different debit card or or checking account. And that's actually one of the knocks on a lot of these cards that, you know, we could talk about some of the fintechs like Cash App and Venmo and companies like that. Um, There are some limitations there. In that case, it's not so much usage as it is with Target, but it's more things like, FDIC insurance and the fact that you're lacking that. So then you have to have a separate bank account. These are all things I would think through is some of the complexity that may be involved. I do like that Discover card because it's really a one-stop shop when it comes to free checking and a debit card and rewards. Um, But of course, there's a lot of fish in the sea. So to each their own. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thanks for joining us today. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.